Welcome to the Crying in My Cheesecake podcast. I am your host, Danielle, and I have a special guest with me today. I literally smile every time I think about this dude. And actually, come to think of it, he's probably the first man on this show. But Jason Patterson, my friend, my brother in Christ, and my teammate in our business development team, a nutrition coach himself, I am so freaking honored to even be considered a part of his sphere of influence and part of his sphere. This man is a dad to five. Yes, I said five children. He has been through a divorce. He's been remarried. And he and his wife are co-parenting role models in like we hear so much drama and all of this stuff, but I've never seen two people more committed to their kids, their marriage, and co-parenting really without a fuss. People who know me think I'm busy, but Jason and his wife, Ashley, take the cake when it comes to busy. I met Jason back in 2019, I think it was, and I didn't really get to know him, but I heard him speak up a little bit and I heard a little bit of his heart. I heard him open up and be vulnerable with a little bit of hesitation. I learned he was a huge deal in sales for the Coca-Cola company, and he just up and left, up and left due to the stress and demands on his life. And he has struggled with similar issues that I have. I've gotten to know Jason a little bit more and um, over the last couple of years, but getting to spend a whole weekend with him and his wife in Delray Beach, Florida this March um, was a complete game changer. It was then that I realized he was one of my people. So I'm just going to be quiet and start letting him talk. But the first thing, he just came back from a men's spiritual retreat. So I'm going to alter what I had planned and just say, give us the lowdown of what happened. Oh, wow, Daniel. Well, first and foremost, thank you so much for that introduction. And I am the one that's lucky to be in your sphere. So please, please know that, Um, man, these last three days were something that I needed, you know, in in our, uh, what we do and the people we are around daily, the people we're helping. There's a lot of times where you and I, and and we don't say this often, we don't let it be known, but you know, I, I'm not Superman. And there's a, there's a lens that folks look at us and think we've got it all figured out. We're this perfect you know, perfect role model and perfect example. And we've just got everything behind closed doors figured out. And uh, we don't, (laughs) we don't, I'll be the first one to say I do not. Um, So getting away for this, you know, I I honestly didn't know what exactly I was getting into going, going out here. Uh, We, we took off and we went down uh, just North of Birmingham, Alabama to a place called Purcell farms. Um, and I had originally thought that I was going with, I was going to be the seventh man. What ended up being the group that I was with, and you're going to love this, the group that I was with, there ended up being 18 of us. We rented a, a charter bus. It was like a rock star tour bus is what it oh, was. Wow. Um, and I was with a group from Indiana called Multiply Indiana. Okay. What Multiply Indiana is and what they stand for are, they're church planners. They are a group of pastors that just want to see not one denomination, but just Christ in general be spread everywhere. And so I had the honor and privilege of being with these guys for three days. um, And oh, my goodness, the things that the things that my heart opened up to the clarity that I gained from this. you know, the, the easiest way for me to explain it is like when I go through a 72 hour fast, I go through a 72 hour fast of not eating anything, drinking water, that it's complete full on 72 hour fast. 
and I just feel so much more revived. The colors are brighter. My brain fog is gone. I just feel incredible. Yeah. And that's exactly what this trip did for me. It was getting around some individuals and, and actually hearing, you know, not only from nutrition coaches and business people, entrepreneurs, but pastors, a lot of people, they're under that same lens as we are. They think they've got it all figured out just because they're pastors. Yep. And that opened my eyes and opened my heart up to understand that, hey, they're just like us. They struggle in areas as well. And there's a few different areas that they struggle in. But we were able to pour into one another, had some amazing speakers that came in um, and, and spoke to us, um, just uh, people with incredible missions and uh, just to open my heart up. So, yeah, that's it was, awesome. It was incredible. I'm so glad you got to go. See, for the listeners, um, Jason and I were going to record this, what, Tuesday? Um, And it's Thursday. We were going to record this on a Tuesday. And he's like, hey, is it okay if we reschedule? I'm like, absolutely. We'll do it whenever you get back. So that is, I'm so excited that you got to go. And this, you said, was your first spiritual retreat that you've done? So yeah, I've been on I've been on a couple others that were with some. Uh, I used to be a member of a network marketing company, and they would do men's retreats, but it was never in depth like this. Yeah, okay. this was this was full on focused with uh, you know Christ was the center of it the entire time. So that's awesome, and how encouraging yeah. to fill you up, kind of kind of you know what we talk about with our clients. Um, you being a nutrition coach as well, but we've got to fill ourselves first so that we can pour out and imagine, you know, you were speaking about how, you know, we think we, people think that we've got it all together behind closed doors, but what they don't know is behind closed doors, we are working so dang hard on ourselves so that we can do all that we do. And I think that that is a misconception. Um, The other night, actually, we, um, in our business development group, we were talking about um, this idea of arrival. You know, people are struggling. And actually, we were talking because I was the one teaching. Um, But we were talking about why people struggle to make progress or why does progress halt? And one of the comments I brought up or one of the reasons I brought up is because people think they've arrived, that there's a before and after. And we always live in that after when the truth is we don't live in an after we live in the after the after or we live in the journey. We are constantly having to do things. And when when progress stalls, what we do is we stop doing those basic habits that we've created that got us to where we are. The thing is, is that it's not sexy. It's not exciting. It's not something that gets us recognition. And so same with doing the work in inside behind closed doors. It's not sexy. It's not fun. It's painful. It brings up a whole lot of, Oh craps. And Um, what am I going to do now? And maybe there's money that needs to go out for therapy now. And maybe there's time, you know, our two valuable assets are time and money. And those two places may have to go. Like we have to reallocate those sources to take care of what's inside. And and you're right. I don't think people notice that it's a forever thing. It's a forever journey. I love that you said that because here's one thing for me that I've learned because I've been that person in the past that, I had that before I had that after and now for my after to keep on going, what I've realized is you get to a state of comfort. And if you get too comfortable within that comfort zone, that's where your progress stalls. So find a way to continue to grow. I love, I love saying this. If you're not growing, you're dying. I don't care what that is, whether that's, you know, getting up in the morning and reading the greatest podcast ever, which is the Bible, whether you're doing that, 
for self-development, you know, whatever it may be, continue to pour into yourself so that you can pour into others because that's going to affect all areas of life in general. So continue to grow, continue to grow and challenge yourself to constantly be, now it's okay to be comfortable, but challenge yourself to, to jump outside of those comfort zones, to continue to jump outside of those comfort zones, because I promise you, as soon as you do get comfortable, that's where you're going to hit that stall. That's where you're going to go back two steps. And you're thinking, man, how am I doing this? I'm doing the same things I've been doing. Well, yeah, that's how you got there. But now you got comfortable with the new situation, whatever that may be. So get uncomfortable again. Continue to challenge yourself to, to stay uncomfortable. Yeah. And that's something that I've been working on. You know, I had that major pelvic floor reconstruction last summer. Yeah. My body has changed like, I don't know how many times throughout this process. I mean, just because of function and and being held back or being, you know, having to eat a little bit more because, and staying in maintenance mode because of what's going on with the inflammation and things. So that is something that I've had to like understand that I'm constantly in the uncomfortable in the moment and something else like, you know, let's just say someone has had a major weight loss situation happen. And I don't mean weight loss. I mean, fat loss, because that's what we want. We don't want to lose muscle mass. We don't want to lose anything else, but let's say someone has had a massive fat loss and they're not quite to a healthy um, range. Okay. And people tend to stall in my mind because they get comfortable in the fact that they can move their quality of life has improved. Hey, I'm doing so much more. I am so much better. I am done. I'm fine. And the thing in my, with me I'm always, like you said, I have to be looking for the next growth. And so spiritual growth, there has to be the next growth in that. There has to be the next growth in every area of our life. So for me, I'm working on, right now, I'm preparing for the Murph, the Murph challenge. Like that's something I'm obviously going to have to modify majorly, but I'm going to be able to do it. But then after that, I'm already thinking ahead. I'm like, oh crap, I need to be thinking of my next challenge to keep me motivated to get to that gym when I don't want to, to keep me putting foods in my body that support me and not go against me. I need to have another challenge. What about you? How do you handle that? Yeah. And uh, so I've actually picked my next challenge. I'm going to be doing the Murph right alongside of you, but I actually, (laughs) as of today, um, and this, these last three days kind of inspired me to do this, but I am doing a uh, 40 day Daniel fast. Oh, okay. I'm I I starting that right now. Um, it, I, it's going to be basically I'm doing water. I'm doing water is all I'm doing. And I, and I'm going to run, I'm going to run with the, uh, you know, basically the way of the land. I, I went and stocked up on a bunch of fresh produce this morning and that's where we're going. Produce, produce, fruits, and water is what I'm going to be living on the next 40 days. And, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of things out there that still have to be answered, but I believe uh, it's going to bring me a lot closer to, it's going to bring me a lot closer to the Holy Spirit. And there's going to be a lot of things that are unveiled over these next 40 days. So yes. with that being said, if I appear to be hangry at any point, <laughs> <laughs> yep, you know I, what's going on. So yeah, I mean, I'm constantly, I am constantly challenging myself though, to answer your question. I mean, it, and it's, it's stepping outside of that, whether it's, from a spiritual standpoint, I kind of I kind of put life into four boxes and whether it's spiritual, whether it's emotional, whether it's my family life or my physical life, 
I am constantly looking to grow in one of those areas. And the thing about it, each one of those areas, not, it, not only does it apply to the individual, but for me as a coach, for me as a, as a mentor, you know, for me just to pour into my children, it affects everybody, you know, those four, those four buckets. So, you know, it's just finding a way, okay, well, where, where do I feel I need to get better right now? You know, and, yeah. and that, uh, that kind of takes me there. And I mean, spiritually, that's, that's where I'm looking. That's where I, I know I, always need to get better. Um, and, and so that's why I've challenged myself there, you know, um, you know, and emotionally, I, I've got some strengths that I need to, that I need to work on getting better. I got some weaknesses that I need to work on getting stronger. Um, you know, so, uh, so yeah, that's kind of, kind of where I'm at and how I deal with those. I always go back to my four buckets and look at that and, and I pick one out there and figure out, okay, you know, where, where do I need to get better? What are, what do people, how do I affect people in those four buckets? Where can I get better with it? Yeah, I'm, I'm very similar. And um, I, my buckets are self-care, uh, my family and my business right now. And self-care yeah. for me encompasses anything that, in, that makes me grow and be better and healthy. That can be the mental, emotional, like physical, nutri- you know, all of that. And then my family. So I'm, I'm so, see, I knew you were like my brother from another mother um, because we do kind of think very similarly in how we are. Um, when you said buckets, yes. Like I need to make sure that I have these areas of life and that's how I look at life too. Am I yeah. doing what needs to be done here? Well, if I'm doing that, then that means it affects this area positively or negatively. And then if that's positively or negatively affected, then of course my business is going to be, is going to suffer. So it always goes back to me and my personal responsibility. Absolutely. And on that note, um, we have just talked a whole lot about just um, your experience and some of the things. And I want to know, or our guests probably want to know, who in the world are you? Like, what do people think of you and say about you when you're out of the room? Well, I wish I knew that. I wish I knew. And it, and I guess I would answer that as far as, you know, what room am I leaving and and who's talking to me? Because that could, that could change. But the one thing I will tell you that anybody that knows me, those that are close to me, will tell you I'm the hardest worker in the room. And they're going to tell you that I'm, I'm a genuine, a genuine soul. I truly care for each and every person, you know, and, and I mean that that's not, that sounds so cliche and I kind of hate that I say it that way, but it's one of those things that my goal is to, you know, any, any person that I meet, anybody that I come in contact with, I want to leave them better than I found them. And that's, that's who I am. And that's the, that's the impression I hope that I leave on everyone. Um, you know, I just, I want to pour into these people. I, I want people, I want to see everybody grow because I truly believe that everybody is made for more. And, you know, for me, God has no limits. So why should we limit ourselves? Absolutely. You know, pull that cap off and just continue to grow. You never know who you're going to inspire. You never know who you're going to affect with your story. You know, the the translations of different stories and how people perceive things, you know, that's why I am. I'm not always, I love that you said in the very beginning when you, when you first met me that I was kind of hesitant, you know, because I've not always been that free willed spirit. I went through a lot as you discussed and, or as you kind of gave them a little bit on that. Um, but I went through a lot and there was a lot that I was embarrassed about, but I also figured out that the more I talked about it, the more people were going to resonate with my story and maybe I could help them out. So why, 
why keep that under a cap? You know, yeah. I, I don't, I'm not one that likes to air my dirty laundry and I don't air it to be like, you know, I give me self pity, anything like that, but truly just because it can help folks out and understand that, Hey, he's went from this to this, you know, and, uh, that's, that kind of takes me all the way back to my childhood, you know, because I didn't, I didn't grow up with the rich and famous or have that name or anything like that, you know, and, and so just kind of going from where I'm at, and I don't mean that that way now, I'm not rich and famous by any means, <laughs> <laughs> not by any means, but just the, uh, the pride that I take in what I do and how I can help others, that, that uh, perception that I once had is no longer there. You know? Yeah. And, you know, um, you were talking about feeling um, a certain way about some of the past things that have happened and how you would normally harbor that and um, making that transition from. So in the Old Testament, God says, remember, remember, remember how many times I don't even know. I mean, I'm probably there probably is a count somewhere, but there's always this idea of remembering. And in the Old Testament with the Hebrews, remembering was speaking it through the lips. So by remembering, it was a, an act of storytelling mm-hmm. because that's how we remember is by the stories, the generations of stories from our families, the generations of stories from history. Yes, some of those things kind of get twisted and warped depending on <laughs> who's telling the story. Right. But right. the more you tell your story, the more it should change because sure. God intersects in those moments of memory. And you're like, oh, I can point myself back to God. I can. Po- oh, he was there. So that when time, tough times do come, you can say, okay, God, I remember that you were here during this. And I remember that you clearly set this up this way. And the more that we remember by speaking or sharing our story, the more people, it's, it's in a way of evangelizing. It's a way of helping people find themselves in our story, which is also like a testimony. And I'm going to ask you about your testimony here at the end before yeah. we finish. I'm watching yeah. the time. But that is, I love that. that you, and the way that you described yourself, hoping that you leave people better mm-hmm. than when you met them, that is who you are. Yeah. That is something that I get from you that... And that's something I'm going to talk about here in a little bit, because I think it's important to know, and something I very much admire of you is that you can be fully present with the people that you are with, but you're always thinking about the next thing. And I'm just going to go ahead and go there, that you are um, one of the hardest workers I know you are, but you are also one of the most genuine people I know. And you're someone who who shows up for those who do show up for themselves. You're not going to placate. You're not going to enable. You're not going to make excuses for people. And that's something that a lot of people in current culture and even in our youth, that was just kind of common. You kind of made excuses for people and that kind of thing. And you don't. And I admire that. There's not a form of enabling except for healthy habits um, from you or enabling of people to grow. I've seen it personally in our business development team, how you support and mentor people, how you teach, how you show up. I've seen it through how you interact with your children and your wife. It is nothing but of love. Women need love from men. Men need respect from women. And it is easy to respect you as a man because you show up and show love to people by being present with them. I see it in your eyes that you're always looking at the next thing. I think that's something that I really do admire because you are always present not just physically, but emotionally, mentally, you can actually engage in a conversation, but you're always thinking about what's next. Mm-hmm. You ever feel like you suffer 
or struggle with being poured into because you are constantly like out in this realm. You are constantly present with people. Do you struggle with being poured into? So I am, uh, I am very, very particular about who I let in my, in my circle and in my sphere. And that is one thing that, yeah, I have in the past when you kind of touched on me working for Coca-Cola and I was there for 14 years and I was a leader there as well. And I was never poured into, it was always, we need to get this done. We need to make this look perfect. We've got company coming to town and it wasn't ever, Hey, that attaboy, you know, let's, let's, let's just take a break. Let's do, you know, let's have that mentor. I didn't have that. Um, so I'll tell you, you know, um, being, being the, around me and being the people that I allow into that sphere, I make sure that I, uh, that I, uh, I'm very picky. I'm very choosy about that because that is, those are the folks, whether they know it or not, they're pouring into me. Um, and I get that through my friendship. Those folks are the ones that I know I can, I can shoot a text or I could call in the middle of the night and know that they're going to answer that phone. They're going to be there for me, you know? So I feel that it is very, very important to be poured into. And that was an area that I had struggled in for so long. Um, but I've got a great mentor. Um, and then I've got, uh, you know, like I said, my, my mentor is one of my best friends and is, is a member of that circle that, that I speak about. You know, I feel like we've all heard this, but you're an average of the five you surround yourself with. I, I can't say that my circle probably has five people in it, you know, so I am very, very limiting and, and choose, picky on, on who I allow in that. And that just kind of goes back to, you know, I used to have a huge circle and that circle of trust was broken many a times because I did let it, let it get so, so big and out of control and maybe not the right people. And, you know, um, you tend to get taken advantage of. And so, yeah, so, so I've learned from that. I, that used to be a huge struggle of mine, but that kind of goes back to just tightening that thing up, knowing exactly you know, the, the Daniel Hopers of the world, the Eli Marshalls of the world, the Jesse Dales of the world. Those are the people that I want to, that I want to surround myself with. Those are the people that, that I know, you know, have the best interest for me that I can pour into. Um, but they'll also pour right back into me. So that's how I, that's kind of how I, how I deal with it now. I'm so honored that I get to be there. Um, But you touched on something that I had a feeling you would go into, but I don't know about you and your client work. A lot of my clients who do suffer with obesity and obesity related diseases, that's my Mm -hmm. niche clientele. A lot of them struggle with codependent behaviors where they feel like they have to appease everybody around them. Mm -hmm. And they, when they, when we talk about it, they don't have an inner circle. They don't have people that are pouring into them. They struggle with realizing, oh, my sister or my brother is not healthy for me. My mom, Mm -hmm. my dad, they have their, I I love them. I respect them and honor them, but they don't have, like, they are not a part of my inner circle. What would Mm -hmm. you say to somebody that's struggling and recognizing, oh, shoot, I don't have an inner circle that is, that is a mutual respect or mentorships or anything like that. What would you say to people that don't have that? Yeah. So for me, I mean, that's going to go back to kind of the self-development and those things that, you know, there are different ways to be poured into. It's not just going out and having that earthly human, 
you know, um, whether it's a podcast, whether it is, you know, just supportive self-development books, different things like that. Um, you know, I'm one, I listen to worship music, worship music, man, that's pouring into me daily. And that's, that's typically how I start my day. You know, I get up in the morning and first thing I do is I open up my Bible app and I always have something that I'm reading in there, some sort of plan. I'll take those first 10, 15 minutes of the day and read through that. I'll grab my dog and I'll put my, put my phone just on my, uh, Apple music to my worship music. And I go walk my dog. Um, you know, and that right there, that, that gets my day going that, that I'm hearing positive things right off the bat, you know, and that's how, that's how I personally deal with it, you know, and that's, that's what I would suggest to them. If you don't have that one person or those couple people out there that, you know, you've got that support, you know, you can find it through other avenues and that would be where I would start. Eventually those other avenues are going to introduce you to that person. Yeah. So, you know, I've not always, I've not always had it. It's taken, it's taken time. It's taken time for me to rebuild those relationships to just get in that foxhole and keep on digging, you know? Yeah. And, and that's, that's one thing that I, I talk about a lot. You know, there's, there's folks that'll get in there and they'll, they want to dig that foxhole, but they start getting those blisters and, and those blisters are where they quit. Yep. Now, if you can, if you can keep on gaining and, and keep digging and keep digging, get through those blisters, they're going to turn to a callus. It's going to, it's going to hardify, harden. It's going to calcify. Yep. And then we're getting somewhere. And so that that's what I would say to those people. Just keep digging. Find it. They will they will come to you eventually. Yeah, I agree. I, um, I when I moved from Northeast Indiana, which was you know up by Shipshawana, super mm-hmm. rural, moved to Indianapolis for I went to school at Butler, and it was a whole new world. Um, I did not have a healthy relationship with my family of origin at the time due to some things I did and some, you know, whatever. Um, But I was by myself. Yep. I had to, I like how you use the foxhole situation because I always called it digging my own roots. Okay. Digging a place for my own roots. And it was hard. It was painful. I cried. I'm not a crier. I cried because it was so painful. But you know what? I kept doing. I kept doing like things that you kept saying to do. I kept digging and waiting and using those, um, the worship music, the Bible, kept going to church, kept finding myself. And it was hard. There were some, I went to some women's Bible studies when I was in college and some people I didn't fit in with and that was okay. But where I come from, you're supposed to finish what you start. Mm -hmm. And that was hard to pull myself out of that kind of like, um, and then there were, I learned the idea of seasonal friends. There is a reason for seasonal friends. And no one says that once you create a relationship, it's forever. No, and no one says that you have to grow and mold with someone if they're changing in a direction or they're pulling you down or they are unhealthy and they refuse to take care of it. It's okay to back away emotionally first, maybe. Maybe physically distance self and so forth. But I do like how you talked about the basics. It is always digging the roots and putting inside and planting what actually matters. I love that. Let's move on to excuses. Um, Back in July, you helped me out with my clients and webinars. And you talked about this, you hosted a webinar for me about excuses. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes this all goes in with everything we've talked about so far, because there's every excuse in the world not to dig the foxhole, like you said. There's every excuse in the world to not show up for yourself, for your family, 
for everybody else, even, you know, everything, excuses, everybody has them. And I talk about them as lies that you tell yourself to continue doing what you don't necessarily want to do. And can you share with us some of your top excuses and how you chose to combat those? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, some of my top excuses, you know, I've not always been in the physical, physical shape that I'm in right now. And when I went through my divorce, I put on a lot of weight. I I got to the point, um, I was the heaviest I'd ever been. That was coming from a guy that had been a runner his whole life, you know, graduated high school at 135 pounds on five foot 10. So I, you know, I was skinny as a rail. Um, but yeah, I put on a lot of weight. I mean, that was, that was one thing that I just let myself go. And it finally got to the point where I had to figure out what that pain point was. And at that time, I didn't even know what a pain point was, but I had figured out that, you know, I wasn't able to do the things that I once was with my kids and I'm, I'm their role model. I'm their example. You know, I can't let them see that I'm going through this divorce I'm continuing to deal with it through food, through alcohol, you know, um, you know, that was the reason I was putting on the weight. I, you know, I had to get my act together and, and that was kind of a wake up call for me. You know, I was, I was living in self-pity then, you know, at that point I had no idea why we were getting divorced after 14 years of marriage. I had pushed her away. I, I didn't know, you know, I went through therapy, therapy couldn't help it, you know, and, And uh, finally, after going through a lot of things, I figured that out. And we'll talk about that probably a little bit in my testimony. But, um, you know, those excuses, it was just a matter of I had to figure that out because if I wasn't, I was going to spiral out of control. And I was leaving that example for my daughters, you know, and my daughters now are 15 and 17. And, you know, when we went through that divorce, it was at a very impactful, impactful age for them. Um, So, yeah, just trying to understand that I, again, like I said earlier, you're made for more and, you know, you can sit and dwell on different things like that, or you can figure out that, Hey, I need to deal with this. Um, and for me, that's what it was. It was a matter of dealing with it. It was a matter of, I'm not an excuse maker. You know, I had to, I had to figure out that identity of who I was, who, and maybe who I was then was somebody different than I am now. And that's okay. You know, kind of like you just talked about your friends changing and those different settings changing. It's okay for you to change too, you know, but you need to figure that out. You need to figure out who you are, where you, who you want to be and where you want to go and how you're going to get there. And that's kind of what it was for me. And the only way I could do that was to get rid of those excuses. You know, it's so easy for us to say, Oh yeah, well, I want to go out and I want to lose 20 pounds. I'll start Monday. You know, Monday rolls around and Tuesday rolls around and Wednesday and we're not doing anything to change it. And there's only one person that can change that. And that's you. And if you're not willing to take that on and and drop those excuses and just go, just go, just go, just do it. That's all I can tell you is just do it. Just get rid of them because nobody's going to be there to support you if you can't support yourself. Exactly. Exactly. And that's reliability, too. You're making, you know, you're making evidence to yourself that you're not reliable if you can't show up for yourself like that. I do. I like that example. Um, The, there was something else that you said. um, Shoot. Oh, I had a question. So you, you said something about how you went to therapy and you did all these things and you started working on yourself. Mm -hmm. What about people who are um, followers of Jesus 
who have done the therapy, who continue to do things that are beneficial, but feel stuck. They feel stuck emotionally or mentally or something. How would you recommend or what would you say from your experience, what works for you to get past that stuck? Yeah, that's good. That's really good. (laughs) I like that. I mean, for me, when I just taken it back to my divorce and when I was stuck and when I went through therapy and all of that, you know, I, (laughs) it goes, a lot of what I, a lot of what I'd say goes back to church. Um, And for me, I don't know if you even know this, but so right after my divorce that happened uh, late 2014, February 8th of 2015, uh, I got baptized I had been christened uh, as a child, but never anything that I ever remembered bab- baptism or understanding that. Um, and so that's what I did. I went back to that and I joined a small group at church. And so for me to get unstuck, it was a matter of I was surrounding myself with, at that point, like-minded individuals that had went through some of the same things. There was actually a small group at my church where You know, there were divorced folks that went through there, Um, you know, um, just I had to be surrounded by people so I didn't go down that pity party hole. And it wasn't a big pity party. It was just a matter of, you know, it was like really a class that helped deal with some of that Um, kind of some Christ-like therapy, I guess you would say almost. Um, But that's kind of that's that's the route I went down to get unstuck. So I would say no matter what situation you're in find, find others that are, that are in those groups. And today with the power of of social media, not that I necessarily love social media, (laughs) but there are different ways out there to deal with things like that. Those groups, there are plenty of contacts out there and people that if you just go type stuff in, in the Google search bar, it's going to give you results. So, you know, for me, that's going to work for anybody. I, it should work for anybody is just surrounding yourself with those individuals, surrounding yourself with people that are like-minded that are going through some of the same problems. So you have somebody to talk to, yeah. you know, no matter what the situation is. And I think that's what you and I both do with our nutrition clients. You know, when they're, when they're struggling, we've got community groups, yeah. you know, we're not trying to call anybody out or put anybody on blast. We simply develop those community groups so that our clients can see what one another are doing. We're there to cheer each other on. If somebody's down, they're having a bad day and they think they've blown up, we're there to pick them back up. Yep. And, and our other clients are there to pick them back up, yep. you know? So sharing, sharing what's, what's there, you know, and sometimes that is hard for people. It's hard to be vulnerable, you know, yes. um, but that's, that's one thing that I've learned that I've had to do in my life is be vulnerable, be, be vulnerable, be transparent. Yeah. And I think that you, you touched on a few things that are very near and dear to my heart and what I usually recommend and what I've done. You clearly said you did, you know, going or acknowledging that we have a problem with something, an area in our life, but then do like the action of going to do it or to fix it and going to join a group. So you mentioned a small group uh, at, at church and that's, that is very true. Like if you, you know, if you're struggling and you have a church home and you can literally email the adult discipleship pastor and say, Hey, these are what things I'm struggling with. Can you help me find a small group that would, that would accept me? And it's as simple as saying, asking for help. But I think that, you know, we may be the last generation to ask for help or to not ask for help, (laughs) but, um, uh, it's hard to ask for help 
with how I was raised and it sounds like with yeah. you. And then it's a pride thing. Yeah. You know, where does the pride, where can we be proud of ourselves versus where does it look like I don't have it together? Why do I need to look like I have it all together? Why can't I just admit that this is a problem and normalize that nobody's perfect behind closed doors? Yeah. Um, so I love what you said with that. And just, um, you know, there's apps called me up. There's like you said, like, emailing the church or just asking Google. Google has a plethora yeah. of information that we will never need to use all of it, but <laughs> it's there for you. Use it. Um, but just don't use it for your medical conditions. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. So moving into your testimony, we've kind of started kind of tiptoeing around it, but I have not heard your full testimony. I've only heard pieces and parts of it. And I just, I'm excited to mm -hmm. hear about it. And many of my listeners really are believers or followers of Jesus. And um, I want to hear the story of redemption in your life and how that's played out in how you currently live. Yeah, absolutely. So I love it. I'm going to take you back a, a little ways. So as a child growing up, you know, we grew up uh, United Methodist members. My grandma and grandpa were United Methodist. I thought that church had to be, you know, you put your suit and tie on every Sunday. You went, you set the same spot in the in the church with your family. You know, after church was done, we we went out to brunch, you know, went and visited grandma over over in local uh, she's about 20 miles away then, but went and visited grandma. And that's kind of that's kind of how Sundays ran for us. Um, growing up, I didn't have a father figure in my life, so to say. Um, my mom, I was actually born in Anaheim, California, and uh, I lived out there about the first four years of my life. Uh, moved back here to Indiana um, and my mom was on her own. I was pretty much on my own my whole life. And she met who I, she met who I call my dad. My, my biological father gave up his rights to me. Um, when my mom met this guy, adopted me, he stayed, he stayed out in California. So I had my stepfather, um, man, my stepfather, I love him to pieces and I, and I still call him dad. Um, but my dad was not the role model. My dad was not somebody, he was a workaholic. Um, my dad ran his own shop. He worked for General Motors and I would never see him. I cannot remember, Danielle, honestly, one time that I can tell you my dad came to any of my sporting events mm. and I'm an athlete. I'm a competitor. Mm. Um, so that that hurt, you know, from the time I was 14, I got my first job, kind of probably where I get the hard worker, you know, um, mentality and, and that badge, so to say. Uh, I got my first job when I was 14 and I felt like I needed to be the man around the house to provide. Um, that was around the same time that my mom and my stepfather went through another divorce. So I saw, I saw that happen. And then that was the time that I became the man of the house. I had a younger brother as well. Uh, he's three years, three years younger than me. And, and it was a matter of, I was raising him. My mom was, my mom was working her tail off, but I became the the kid that was, you know, doing the chores, cleaning the house, doing all that because I saw how hard my mom was working every single day. She was a nurse. She worked all kinds of different hours. And it was a matter of if things were going to get done around the house, I had to do them. Mom would get done and I can remember, you know, we'd go to the grocery store and we'd have groceries for the week. But I was probably the one that was going to be cooking dinner. I was yeah. probably the one that was going to be you know, making sure my brother and I both got our homework done and getting us to bed. You just never knew. Um, 
So that's where a lot of me comes from, just to kind of take you back down that road. Um, and that was probably the hardest thing for me when uh, when I when I got married. Um, you know, we were married for 14 years and I thought I was doing all the right things. And when I say I was doing all the right things, um, what I came to realize was at the end of those 14 years, it wasn't I was doing some of the right things. And I, I have came through a lot of counseling um, to the point now where I can take responsibility for that divorce. Yeah. Um, you know, just to kind of, kind of give you a little bit of an idea of, of things there. We had a fantastic family. Um, she blessed me with two amazing daughters. Um, and uh, for us, it was that when you first start out, you've got that magic, you've got those butterflies and we both did, but then we both, uh, she worked as an x-ray tech in the hospital. She worked weekend option. Um, that's what worked out for us. So she could stay home with our babies up until it was time to go to school. Yeah. I, I at that time was in, in the midst of my sales career, Coca-Cola and I was a salaried position, but I was working 70, 80 hours a week. Um, on top of that, then once our kids got to age, when they were in school, we kind of backed that down as far as how much I was working. Um, she then went to Monday through Friday and, uh, you know, the kids were involved in everything because why, why aren't kids, you know? Right. So for me, I was, I was a member, I was, I was on the board of the PTO. I was, you know, I don't even have a son, but I, uh, I was on the board for youth football. I was coaching youth football. I was on the board for, uh, a local softball league that my that my daughters played in. I've also coached there. Um, you know, we got to the point where I forgot what gave me those two kids. Yeah. And I didn't realize it. I didn't yeah. know it. That communication was something that we suffered and we lacked during that relationship. And for about three years, she felt that way. Yeah. Um, and finally came to me one morning and I'll never forget it. I was standing, standing in the shower, you know, and, uh, told me she was going to work and I was like okay but that wasn't that typically it was hey babe I'm going to work I love you give me a kiss goodbye uh -huh. and then it didn't happen that day and I knew something was wrong and uh that was when I was told that the divorce was coming um okay. later that day and uh that destroyed me I mean absolutely tore my world to pieces and I still get emotional about it you know um but it helped me grow so much because I realized that the key component to life, whether it's marriage, whether it's business, it doesn't matter what it is, friendships, your spiritual relationship with God, there has to be a foundation for everything to survive. And if you take one block out of that foundation, it's going to start to crumble and everything's going to come down on top of it. Yeah. And that is what that is where things started. Once I saw that, it's like, oh my gosh, what have I done? Yeah. Danielle, there were times where there's only a couple of people that know this. I'm getting raw. There were times where I thought about killing myself. I was ready to be done. I thought my world was over and I didn't know what I was gonna do. Um but that's when I told you, February 8, 2015, I gave my life to Jesus, and I surrounded myself with a lot of, lot of, 
very intelligent people, God-loving people, people that had people that had that foundation built that helped build me back up, that helped get me back to where I was. I didn't even know it, but on February 8, 2015, I had no idea who she was, but I knew she was somebody that was getting baptized alongside of me. My wife right now, we were baptized on the same day by the same pastor. And that's a gay God moment. I had no idea. And three years later, we found each other. She was married at the time she was that she got baptized. But little did I know how much she was going through. And you know, that's that's how we built our life. We came together. We came together three years later, and uh, we got married in 2019, June 13th of 2019. So it'll be two years here coming up next month, and that's kind of kind of where things have went. Uh, as far as as far as that, she's she's my best friend. She is the person, literally, that God sent to me, and I, I truly believe that there are there are those people out there for everyone. And it took a lot of hiccups and a lot of of bruises for me to learn to figure it out. And, uh, you know, I was so embarrassed when I went through a divorce because that doesn't, it doesn't happen. And I said, you know, with my, with my mom and I witnessed that twice with her and it was, it was something I was never going to do. I wanted the best for my kids. I wanted them to see. And that's where I felt like I was doing such a good job being the dad doing those dad things, but I wasn't in the marriage. And so that's the one thing that's, that's one of my missions. You know, I love it when, when Ashley and I first got together and the kids are asking, why do you open the door for mom all the time? Why do you do these little things? Why do you do that? You know? And it's because I want the boys to know exactly how to treat a woman. I want them to understand how to respect a woman. And I want my daughters Someday when somebody's asking them, well, what kind of man do you want to be with? What kind of man do you want to marry? I want him to say my dad. Yeah. I want him to say my daddy. I, he, he led that example. And somebody just like my dad, that's who I want. Um, so that's, that's how I lead my life every single day. You know, after going through all of that, um, you know, and that's how when I say uh, coming into contact with people, I just want to leave them better than what I found them. Yeah. You just never know how you're going to find them. And they may not be 100% transparent and have it all out there and tell you everything that's going on. Man, if I can just make them smile and give them that little glimmer of hope every single day, because there were times where I needed that and I didn't have it. Yes. And I know how impactful that can be. Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, I, I, you've made me like, te- like tears are still on my cheeks. I can hardly get them off. Um, a beautiful, beautiful story of redemption. Beautiful story of just, I, I did not know about your, um, that Ashley was being baptized at the same time. That's, that's funny. Um, Dustin and I are seven years apart and he, he, he knew my friends and obviously my friends knew me and um, he actually had pictures of me and my middle school basketball games. I was on the court, but he was taking pictures of my friends. Oh, and wow. I'm like, yeah. And I'm just like, it was so weird. Cause I thought it was my photo. I thought it was in my photo box and I was confused <laughs> that it wasn't in my, so just that the way you said that God has someone for everyone, yeah. whether it is in a marriage relationship, 
a singles with friendships, whether it be a mentor, whether it be something, there is someone always there. Yeah. We just have to uh, take off that veil, take off that pride, take off all of that and show up. The hardest thing to doing something better in growth is actually literally taking that first step. Because once you're going, that momentum, Kate takes you the rest of the way. Absolutely. But it's that first step. And I absolutely adore you. I adore your story. Um, I am so grateful that I get to even be in your sphere of influence. And just, it is a beautiful thing. I'm so grateful for you. Grateful for your story. Do you have any last words for our listeners? You know, one thing that I'm going to leave you with that it was something that I talked about and I didn't talk about. I heard this uh, with this men's retreat. You know, there's always the fast paced society that we live in. We always want to talk about and you can relate this, whether it's to business, whether it's just to you personally, however, however, this speaks to you. But one thing that they said, um, we always talk about wanting to get bigger. You know, we always talk about wanting to get to that top of that mountain but if we would just sit back and think about talking about how do we get better Mm. and it kind of goes back to that growth thing we talked about earlier how can I get better bigger's gonna the bigger's gonna come whatever that bigger looks like for you that's going to come but focus on getting better first Oh, I love that. I love that. Thank you so much, Jason, for joining me today. And I realize it's just an honor to be given some time from you because of how busy you are. Um, if people would like to reach out to you or follow you or, you know, even have a conversation with you or receive services from you, what is the best way for them to do so? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm, I'm pretty free with this. You know, like I said, I want to impact as many people as possible. So you can find me on Facebook at Jason Patterson. Um, you can find me on Instagram at warriorfit815. And if you just want to reach out and shoot me a text message, I respond to those as well. And I'll be happy to give everybody my number there. It's 317-441-1851. Um, please do so, you know, drop me, drop me a text, let me know, you know, what's going on. And if I can somehow help you out, if I can leave you better than how I found you, I will absolutely, that is my goal. And that's what I'll do. I love it. And that just, that is just indicative of who you are in your heart. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Danielle. buying her a virtual cup of coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash CIMC.